Luke 2, 41 through 51. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company. They traveled a day. Then they, went then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Heavenly Father, we are in your house. This is the Father's house. It is a building, but we are here to learn from you. We are here to listen. We are here to ask. We are here to receive wisdom. And Jesus initiated this right off the bat as a child. Heavenly Father, we are children of God. We are here now to hear from you. Through your word, touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Okay, and go back to the first slide. Uh, this is in the Gospel of Luke. He is actually not a Jew. He is a doctor, and a Jewish individual. He's a doctor, and he is actually recording one of the Gospels. And he's sharing uh, some more stories that's uh, kind of interesting. He tends to share more about the women, about children, and uh, he gets more into an understanding than just the prophecies, okay? Uh, the reason why I've been doing this, and had you been here the last past Sundays, I write a, a sermon for every Sunday. And this is, this is not an old sermon from a Sunday you missed. It isn't. <laughs> this is new for today. What you have missed is the childhood of Jesus, and this is the last mention of the boy Jesus, okay? And you can read further on Luke, and you can go on the, um, the Facebook page and see a devotional about the other, the other sermons that I had. I do a devotional and place it on there. So this is the last one. He's 12 years old, 12 to 13. He is now kind of considered more of an adult at this point in time. Through the years of his growth, as we can see here, they have gone to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover is in Exodus, if you want to read that. And it's all about the blood protecting the Israelites from uh, the death angel. Okay? And there they had, they butchered a lamb, they had the bitter herbs. At the same time, they took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorposts. And they still, still, still celebrate that today. Passover. Okay? The Jews celebrate that. Jesus is the Passover. Amen. 
He is the Passover. The death angel passes over you because you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we see that in communion, which is going to be next Sunday. Okay? Interesting that Jesus, boy Jesus, who's going to replace this Passover, is in a synagogue and is with the elders, the teachers of the synagogue at this time. What is going on? What is being said? What is he gleaning? What is going on at this time? We really don't know. I'm going to tell you that. We really don't know. Okay? But I'm looking at certain portions that we can take on to ourselves because we are children. If you, as you heard my prayer, we are children of God. We ourselves. Are we asking? Are we listening? Are we being taught when we come to a church? Are we in the presence of the Lord learning? Can you imagine what is Jesus doing at this time? Now we see that he stays. It's a Passover time. Okay? This is what's going on. So is that the topic? All right? Is that the topic? Um, he's 12 years old. It's that festival. It ends. Believe me, it's a long festival. They know how to do a festival. It's not a one thing event. It's week, maybe two. So they've been there for quite a while. And they travel in a group, friends and family together. So to miss a child, it can be easily done. All right? Because they assume that it's with some other members. It says so here thinking that he was with relatives and such. So it's not unusual that this could have happened, okay? Because, you know, they thought it was with somebody else. All right, go ahead, Em. Here, sitting among teachers. Now, I want to point this out. He's sitting among the teachers. What's the first word? Listening. Listening, okay? He's listening. Now, if you were to get pictures about Jesus at this age, he's doing this. And he's pointing to scripture. That's not actually what's going on. He's listening. Okay? That's what's going on. He's asking. He's asking. Now, I can't tell you what question he asked. I can't tell you what they said to him. I can guess because it's at the time of Passover. So that is a loaded topic because they do a tremendous amount of teaching and tremendous amount of ritual during the Passover in order for them to never forget that Moses delivered them out from Egypt. Well, Jesus delivers us out of sin. He delivers us out of sin. And here we have this topic. Do we know exactly what he said? No. We don't, but we do know the action that is going on. Then we see the rebuke here from his mother, okay? And then we see his explanation of what is going on. He's in his father's house. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's delve into that. How important is that, that a child of 12 stayed behind to go into the synagogue. Or should I say, a child of 12, a child stayed behind 
to sit in the church. Let's see how this works out. Go ahead and here we have, this is the best picture I could find to make a point. He's listening to what they have to say. He's not teaching. And yet, this action is teaching. And I'll show you how, okay? In my father's house. Go ahead. Listening. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. This is scripture, okay? I always teach by scripture. I'm not saying of myself. I'm backing things up with scripture. I always do that. I put it up on here so that if people don't have their Bible, someone new comes in, there's the word. You have no choice. Sorry. Here you go. Be wise in the way you act toward others or outsiders. Uh, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, why did I put this here? Did Jesus say this? No, that's not the point. The point is, how are you acting? Jesus is sitting amongst a lot of the teachers. There's many, many teachers in a synagogue. Many, okay? There are many, many uh, priests in the synagogue. Jesus doesn't know these people. Okay? And he's a child amongst them. So how is he going to treat them? How is he going to treat them? How do you treat somebody that you come up to? How do you treat somebody, for example, in a church? This is important now. I'm putting this question to you because very often you come in with your own expectations. You come in with your own attitudes. You come in with your own thoughts. You come in with your own expectations. Well, is this church going to meet my expectation? Is this church going to do this? Is this church going to do that? Is this church in some complete list? God forbid it, we don't meet the list. We, and you can see it, you can see it. On, on, I, I looked for a picture for this reason, okay? And I'm bringing this point. We automatically think that Jesus comes in arrogantly and teaches the teachers that they're stupid or something, that they don't know anything, that they don't have anything, and they've been there for years. They've dedicated their lives unbelievably to God. And then we have pictures showing a little 12-year-old boy dictating to them. Wait a minute. Let's reverse that. When you come into a faithful church, house of God, synagogue, and these people were very serious about the Lord because they had relations way back to justify, and they learned long ago to the point that it's in one clan that can serve the Lord, and that was the Levites. Guess what? The Lord opened the door for anybody to come in through Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if you weren't a Levite, you couldn't come to the inner sanctum and you couldn't come to the Lord? How about that? You have a right now to come before the throne of the Lord and be taught by him 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. He came in through the door. Now, at Passover, opening the door so that you could sit and be taught by the Jews. Ooh. You can sit and be taught by God. Now I put it up a level. Jesus, every step he made, even as a child, is a witness and an opening door for us to learn. Because we're children of God. And guess what? I may hurt some feelings, but you don't know anything. You don't. You know the here and now. You know what has happened. But when you walk out that door, do you know what's going to happen? Do you have any idea what's going to happen? You don't. Who does? God. God knows everything. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows how to teach you. He knows how to guide you. Above all, he knows how to love you because he created you in the first place. You were a twinkle, a twinkle in his eye. How precious are you that he would disregard you? And here you have a 12-year-old who's going in to outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. What did Jesus do? You look around and say, well, gee, I've been here for a while. My parents must be upset. <laughs> Even God was in control. He subjected himself to their authority. That's the gist. He subjected himself, submitted himself to their authority to glean from them. And what a treasure book that was. What a treasure that must have been. And here he took the opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Their technique is when they teach up, they put up a topic. I'm sure it was Passover. And then they start discussing it. Jesus listened. Then he asked. He first listened. How good are you at listening? I have a horrible habit. I did it to Holly. I was wondering. When I called her the first time, I jumped the conversation. What does that mean? She says something, I say something, she says something, I say something, I say something, and she says something, I say something, and she says, shut up! Listen! Don't jump the conversation. She's got something to say. I do that. I don't know why. I started to say, I have a horrible habit. I'm using myself as an example. Sometimes you're so excited that you're talking to somebody and hey, it's good to see you that you're constantly babbling over what they have to say. And you're not getting anywhere, okay? It's called jumping the conversation. And it shouldn't be done. Stop it. Cut it out, okay? It's much better to come into a situation and just listen. Do you know how desperately people have something that's very, very important? to say it may be minimal to other individuals, but it's very important for them to say it. Half of your counseling is listening. Did you know that? You sit there as a nurse. Okay, here we go, nurse again, being an RN, okay? In psych, they give you a sheet, okay? This was a long time ago, I don't know how they train now. And I had to go into the, um, into the hospital for the, the mentally challenged. That's how you can say it now. Okay, they are lost. All right? And they give you a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper are keywords. 
okay? You never say the word why. They said you redirect if you ever speak, if you speak, you do not say why. You know? It's a judgment. Why? Why? Somebody is explaining something to you that makes no sense at all. They put themselves in that position. She goes, well, why? Why did you do that? I mean, uh, you know, your word. Okay? Other things that they say is, if, you, if there's a hesitation, it gets to a hard part for the person to communicate, you repeat the last words. Kind of a little tricky thing. So you're, how can you repeat the last words if you haven't heard them in the first place? When you repeat the last words, you're honoring what they have to say. And all of a sudden they think to themselves, I am worth listening to. You've raised that individual up. Repeat the last words. And then they go on and they continue on and you listen up. Okay? And this is what's going on here because in the conversation, all right, things are said to draw out more information, okay? So when you're sitting there, you're giving tremendous people value when you're talking to them, or should I say, listening. How powerful is listening in the conversation? Very powerful, very powerful. And then, out of that, let your conversation be also full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer. How do you answer? The most insulting thing is when somebody told you that something's very important to them, and you come, they come to the end of it, and you answer in a foolish manner. Well, they're not listening at all. <coughs> They could care less about what I had to say. They could care less about me. They're not listening at all. Not at all. They could care less because you answered wrongly. <laughs> it's called the art of conversation. It's called the art of community. And many times the first half is totally not in existence because everybody has something to say. All right? Jesus didn't go in with something to say. He went in to hear what they had to say. It was tremendous because here is somebody interested who wants to learn. And all of a sudden, they open up and they're teaching Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting? Wait a minute, I thought he was God's son. Well, guess what? Things didn't start happening until after his baptism. As a matter of fact, if you read the word, you'll find out that Jesus doesn't have the Holy Spirit at this age. What? No. The Holy Spirit's watching him. God is watching over him. God is with him. But he doesn't have the Holy Spirit until he comes and gets baptized. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And then there's a little nasty thing that happens. He's dragged off into the desert. So don't think receiving the Holy Spirit is just a lot of fun. Jesus received the Holy Spirit, and he was empowered, but God had something for Jesus to do. And so the Holy Spirit, you read it, led him into the desert, okay? 
And that's when his ministry started. When you become a Christian, you get a target on your back, and the devil does a dance. And you better be discipled to deal with it. And that's our job. Salvation, yes, but you must be discipled so that you can recognize what is really going on in a situation so that you can deal with it properly. That's a Christian needs to know. And lots of Christians don't have those tools. Lots of them don't. Okay? So here he answers correctly. All right? Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. But all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. That's the power of the word. The teachers had the original Bible. They had the Old Testament. They had Moses' law. They had all of that that's in our old part. That's what they taught out of. Now we're going to get to the nitty and the gritty. We're going to go above the teachers. We're going to go to God. What is God's desire? God's desire is his children. To love them and have them love him. To have a relationship where he can do exactly this. Your infants, children, children need tremendous love. Tell me what child doesn't need love. Tell me what child doesn't need guidance. Tell me what child doesn't need how to do. Tell me. How many parents here have neglected their kid? Put them aside. I see our, the two little ones here. Right? That's when they're little. Okay? When they get older, Listen to my words. How do you think God is? Have, can you picture him? Can you picture God trying to communicate and he's blocked with all our activities, all our things. Oh, I gotta go do this, I gotta go do that, I gotta go do this, I gotta go do that. You listening? And God, how can he teach when our lives are so full there's no room for him to teach. If you would stop, I would have told you this is what's going to happen. And he does. He does. I swear my life on it. He does. Been there, done that. I got, I, you know why I cook breakfast? To get the eggs off of me. All right? Because I have had so many situations where had I stopped and listened to what the Lord had to say in the scriptures teaching me, I wouldn't be where I was. Or at, or going, because he knows better than I. I forget that, because I'm so busy with something in my life, with some little thing going on. And this is what's going on here. Take those words, put them in your heart, apply them, live them. 
And that is how you grow because you will bypass all the things that can hurt you. All the things you can hurt. And if you don't believe me, look at your own family. Now we have families where that isn't so, but guess what? We have a God that reached beyond that. Because he's the ultimate of love. And he makes himself known. Believe me, he makes himself known. Go ahead, Adam. That's listening. What's the next thing the boy Jesus did? He said and asked, okay? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's Psalms. Asking is very important. Very important. We often will ask our friends or often ask other people before we even think to go to God and ask him. Where is the God factor in our lives? What level is he at? Well, he's supposed to be the head. Very often, it's lucky he's in the cellar. Most of our mistakes is by making decisions on our own. Because we do not know what the outcome is. God does. Okay? So when Jesus was there, and they put topics out, I'm bringing you back to that time where that's how they taught children, is they'll put topics out, they discuss it, they bring it out, and teach about it, and then anything that pops into their head, they have an asking session. Because you learn from asking. You learn. Why? I just asked you a question. Why? What does that do? It also stop, starts to make you think. I put something out and I said, what do you think about that? It's like, uh. Most people are put into it when they are insecure and don't like it. But it stops you and it makes you think upon the situation. Okay? I've got more to add to this. That's what's very important because when you listen and you ask, you know exactly where the person is. When Jesus listened and he asked, he knew out of the answer where they're at. Here's an example. Did you know that Jesus died for your sins? person says, well, I've heard about that. What is Jesus in your life? What do you think about Jesus? Well, um, he was a good man. He's a prophet. And he's in the Bible. What does that tell you? They don't know Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. And he paid the price for your sins so you could have a relationship with him. That's the definition. Now you know that person is alone. Alone? Yes, alone. He doesn't have the advantage of having a relationship with an all-knowing God who can help him in any problem, who knows him and every cell 
and knows his destiny because he has plans for him better than he has plans for himself. He's alone. He's also in the dark because he's still in the grip of Satan, who does not want him to know Jesus, who wants to rule over him, who wants him as his subject, and wants above all his soul, because he wants him to worship him, Lucifer. That's the battle, that's the real battle that's going on, that's the reality. Not this stuff, not the everyday things, that's what's going on. And when you listen to an answer, and then you ask a question, you know automatically, without consulting, you know exactly where that person's at. Hence, Jesus started witnessing here. He started the method of witnessing. You don't go up to say to them that they're sinners. Because you are a sinner. <laughs> okay? It automatically labels you as a hypocrite. You don't go and, well, yeah, in the old days, that's what they did, fire and brimstone. You're all going to hell! You know, and you start shouting at them, and, but there's Jesus! You better ask him in your heart, or you're going into the fiery pit, okay? People know, and I've said this in Bible study, people know they've done wrong is what they need, and we have it. Share Jesus. Share Jesus. Share how, why, why that takes the sin off of them and how they can give it over to them and literally, yes, have a whole brand new life and become a little child again. You know how many people have destroyed their lives and wish they could start it over? You can give that to them. Wow, I never thought of that. I will instruct you. I will instruct you. The book is an instruction book, but it's a loving book. And yes, it reveals things, it's like, <laughs> but then he shows you his love over it. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. When you open the Bible and you know the Lord Jesus and you've asked him into your heart, I started, when I first asked the Lord, I looked at the Bible and here I am, a nurse, who is studied, 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 studied in order to take care of people. Hang IVs, give meds, change dressings, prepare for surgery, you name it. I learned it, read it all. Could not understand the Bible. I tried, I tried. I, I said, oh, I'm gonna read this book now. And I open the book and start reading and speak. Push it aside, no, I don't think so. Then I discovered the Lord through archaeology. I love archaeology. Through archaeology, I discovered the Lord. Because guess what? They tried to prove him that he wasn't in existence, okay? That he doesn't exist, that this is just stories. And they kept digging up stuff that actually was about him. Oh, 
Oh, we were wrong. Uh, this is, yeah, I guess he, yeah, all right. Well, this part is right, but everything else is wrong. So you can keep watching archaeology and they try to prove them wrong. And it was at that point that I said, that's not true. Because I knew, I knew as a nurse on the floor, working with patients, I knew there was a God. And as a child, I knew there was a God because I looked at the world around me. Man didn't create trees. He can grow them, but he didn't create them. God created them. He had the idea in the first place. We just live among them. That's all we do. And we can grow a tree. We can also cut it down. It's fascinating where you discover things. And I knew in surgery, when I watched surgery, man can cut they can correct whatever's wrong inside. They can stitch that person back, but they can't heal them. They can't make the skin grow together. They can't make the layers grow together. You can't do that. You can catch gut, but you can't do that. Who does that? Who does it? Not the doctor. He knew what he was doing. God gave him that. But who does the actual healing? Who does that? God. God does. Okay? So I had proof all around me. You know? I had proof. But I couldn't read the word. I couldn't read the word because I was looking at it in a different way. Alone. Arrogant. Thoughtless. Just a book. But when I got to ask Jesus into my heart and I got a personal relationship to him, I took that book and this is so funny. I got, I got to share this. I told It was his Bible. The only one. It was his. And I opened it up and I was reading it. And I opened it up and I said, okay. You're God. This is your word. There is no way I can understand all of this. There is no way. Because there's so much of it. Teach me. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. And I started to read. It was unbelievable the insight that the Lord gave me. I had tears running down my eyes. I can't believe. I wound up angry. I like, went through nursing, was on the floor <coughs> dealing with lives, not armed with this. How can that be? How can I be so blind? How could I have not seen this? How much help I could have had? And the Lord placed it into my heart. You were never really alone. You just didn't know me, but I knew you. And I was there on the floor when you were dealing with death. When the families wouldn't sign off on a person with cancer and it was their last breaths, and you had to go and bring them back into their misery. I was there. I knew. I knew that responsibility. I knew the pain that you saw in this situation. And he brought up different situations back into my memory, saying, I was there. You weren't with me, but now you are. And you'll never, never, never be alone again. That's the gift of knowing the Christ. You're never alone, ever. 
Wherever you go, wherever you walk, you can stop and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, teach me. Lord, I'm in this situation. Help me. And he does. He does. And that is God's desire. That you're never alone. That he can train you up. Because one day, this world is not going to be what, it, what we think it is. This world is changing. And you see it. You see it. You see the things and the changes. And the God says it must be changing because I have plans for the future. And he lets you in on it. And we call it revelation. And he teaches you what your destiny is. And it's not the fall of this world. But there are others that are going to go with it. So when you become a Christian, you know Jesus, and he includes you in his plans, and he tells you this is what's going on, this is what's coming up, guess what? All of a sudden, you're responsible. He puts you in the path of other people because it's his desire that no one go to hell, that no one died without him. And so he puts it in our world so we can share him. And this is what Jesus is doing. He is showing us how to witness. Listen, ask. Listen, ask. And then the Lord gives you information so that you can share according to their life. Oh, it's wild when the Holy Spirit works. It is wild. You sit there and you listen, and then you ask a few questions, and all of a sudden, the Lord is giving you some things that you're carrying on conversation, and a person's eyes just go, boing, how did you know that? How did you know that? And he gives you understanding and insight into that person's life. And all of a sudden, it's revealed. And that person goes, whoa, that's got to be God. There's no way you could have known that. And you've just witnessed. You've made it real to that individual. That's why sharing the Lord, sharing scripture in the body is so important. And you know who the best people do this? And I'm going to say this. I'm going to be a little bit... You know, Pentecost mm, is doomed. I've seen it. I've seen it. Somebody will come into the church and say, have I got a scripture to share with you? This is what's happened this past week. I was reading in the Word. I got the solution, and they share it. And somebody else will say, that's going on in my life. That's the body working. Wow, what scripture is that? How did that work out for you? And all of a sudden, it skips around in, in the congregation. I only saw it that one time. It was in Pentecostal church. And I said, that's how the body works. You share Jesus with each other and what he's doing in your lives. What is Jesus doing in your life? Have you heard that lately? No. What is Jesus doing in your life? What, what, what did Jesus do in your life? How do things happen with you in your life? And some people will, will bring up stuff and you'll say, well, gee, that sounds simple. But then somebody else says, how did you know that? I just went through that. I just went through that. And that the Lord is working in my life and sharing it with others because there's somebody else who needs help. And he can do it. He can do it. And he does it through teaching the word. How do you follow the law today? Do you go back to Moses and read that? No. <laughs> you read that first to condemn you. 
This law is different. It is Moses' law, but it's altered. It's in the new covenant form. Okay? It's in the new covenant form. Jesus answered. He says, follow the law. The man asked him, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing in the law? What is the most important thing? He says, well, how do you read it? And he pretty much said the shaman. He says, that's right. What's the shaman? The shaman is still said by the Jews. It's found in Deuteronomy 6.4. And it's, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then Jesus added to it. And this, just as love your neighbor as yourself, that's in Leviticus. We put the two together. Now we match it to the Ten Commandments. And I've said this before. The first half of the Ten Commandments is God. Putting him first and loving him. The second half is the civil law. How to treat others. You love God. That's why this is our statement. And I say it over and over again. Because this is our vision and mission statement. Mission statement, vision. Comes the other way. Vision is simpler so you guys can learn it. First loving Jesus so you can love your neighbors. Oh, wait a minute. I love my neighbor. No. Not the way God does. If you love Jesus and you turn to him, his love will go through you. And no matter what the people around you act, his love is working on that because he showed it on the cross. He had every reason to hate people. He still loved them even though he was tortured on the cross and died. I love you. Heavenly Father, forgive them. Forgive your enemies. How can God work through you if you can't forgive your enemies? He can't. It's a block. Okay? So here, the law that you're talking about is God first, loving him, being taught by him, so that you can better deal with your relationships with people. Otherwise, we step in the way and get in the way. Because we have our own attitudes, our own lives, and yeah, uh-huh, that nasty little thing called sin. Right? So that's what this is about. And here, Jesus... Jesus is listening, and he's asking, okay? Uh, we find out what is said in, in the end. They were astonished. They were astonished at what he knew. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating with that understanding. So, go ahead, Em. Do you have a teachable spirit? What, what is needed for a teachable spirit? Listen. Ask. Jesus had a teachable spirit. Even though he was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, he sat down and he sat under their authority. Okay. Maybe this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives you generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You can ask God anything, and He will He will give it to you. But He takes care of His kid. You know how kids ask foolishly. 
They want a popsicle for supper. Do you give it to them? No. Here's some meat, potatoes, and green. Yeah. He what's good and right. We can ask. But he delights when you ask to be taught by him. He delights in that. And loves that. Now, Emily, I want you to go all the way back to the second screen. Oh, no. She's starting over again. No, I'm going to show you something else here. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about this. Jesus just went through all of that. That was just this portion up here. Okay. Now, real quick. Son, why have you uh, treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. By rights, yes. There is nothing wrong with that. Jesus is not rebuking her for that. She's taking care of her child. She knows the father. He knows the father is searching for those that are lost right now. That's not unusual. Okay? He says, why are you searching for me? He asks. Another question. Why are you searching for me? Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, but they did not understand what he was saying. He was directed there. How many times have you been directed actually to the Lord? He was directed there. Why do kids do this? That's why kids are so precious. That's why it's so important to have children's church. Because kids do this. They'll go up, you know, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I kind of Really? Do you believe in him? Oh, well, uh, children are very close to Jesus Christ because they don't question that you should know him and they ask him into your heart and all this. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? This is the same thing. Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Why shouldn't I be here? Especially Jesus. And he claims this, the, the synagogue as his father's house. Now, if it's important to a 12-year-old boy to be at church, how about adults? How about adults? What happens from that point of time of youth where Jesus is, yeah, that's an obvious, to adults where we've totally forgotten? What happens? That's being the time. It's amazing. Cynical. They become loaded with responsibility. They become loaded with all kinds of things that are distractions. And they forget that Jesus actually is the authority over everything in their lives. And they forget that. Okay? <coughs> so here, Jesus said, didn't you know that I had to be with the Father at this time? I'm almost an adult. I'm considered almost an adult. Twelve-year-old. Yeah. They start taking on adult responsibilities. Didn't you know I'd be here? What am I supposed to do as a male in the Jewish tradition? Lead the family. And definitely lead the family in the synagogue. And start learning. Going into Jewish school. Okay? But they did not understand this. There was a double meaning going on. I had to be with my father. This is the time. This is the time. I'm going from child. Now I'm going into this, this time. And there's a, there is, that is that step. All children go to that step. 
First they're a child, and then all of a sudden they're an adult. Whoa! And life changes big time. Okay? We prepare them for that. He's being prepared for that by the Heavenly Father. Because guess what? He's only going to be living for 33 years, and he's got a lot of work to do. He's a young man and would never have his own family. That's written in Scripture. He would not have his own family. We are his family. You're a child of God. We are his family. So his whole path is totally different. So yes, he's going to be relying very much on the Father. And he's an example for us. You as a child must rely on your Father. Because he has plans for you. And they are exceptional plans. Okay? Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient. There you go. Obedient. This is what I wanted to get to. He spent time with the Jews, but he didn't hold them, the teachers. He didn't hold them over their, over their parents' head. What is one of the commandments? Honor your father and your mother. He honored them. He explained why he was there, but he obeyed them and didn't disrespect them. Say, yeah, I know all about life. I'm out of here. I don't need you. He honored. He honored their parents, his parents, and he followed them. Went home with them, and he continued. Even though I'm quite sure the Lord did enlighten him tremendously. I often thought that Jesus, and I read this in Mark. If you ever read Mark, there's certain points in Jesus that you, you're kind of surprised at. When he came down from the mountainside and there was the child who was possessed and the father was pleading with the apostles to help, please help. And Jesus comes down, this is the, this is the story that's in Mark, and he turns around and he says, how long must I be with you? How long must I deal with this? Can God be frustrated? Yes. Yes, he can. Can God be angry? Yes. Can God cry? Yes. How often are we frustrating him? How often are we making him angry? How often are we just producing tears. As a parent, you know if you have a child that's troubled, you know what I'm talking about. Go to God. He really knows what's going on. Happened to me. Takes me. Puts me in front of the mirror and say, there's a problem. Ugh. Sorry. Look to me, I'm going to teach you, and you're going to correct this situation. Boom. Okay. Because I'm not God in the family. Steve's not God in the family. He's the head of the household. Absolute. Absolute. But he needs God. I need God. And my kids need to learn God. So that they can grow up. That's the first lesson. That is the first and most important thing that my kid 
alone, God, so that when I am gone, they're not alone. And I've given them a special gift. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the presence of your Son, Jesus. We thank you so very much. Yes, he died, he rose again, but he, did not, he has not left us. If anything, he is part of our walk. He has walked it first. If we can turn and learn from him, see Jesus in the word, see Jesus in our life, that he walks every step and we journey with him and grow and grow and grow. And when he returns, that we recognize him, that we go to him and that we're taken by him back to the heavenlies, to where we belong, where the Father has created even a place for us there. Heavenly Father, we can't wait for that day. But right now, we have to learn from this life in order to be in that place with God. Because it is a time of training. It's a time of growing. And Heavenly Father, we must take every opportunity to be taught by the Lord. Just as Jesus, as a child, went into the synagogue and was taught by the Lord, we are able to go before the throne and be taught by the Father. He gave us the word, his word. And we can prayer closet and say, reveal to me, teach me, show me. But above all, pour your love into me. Pour all of the things that you have plans for me. Heavenly Father, we need you so much. We need you so much. And we know that we are not alone. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to bless each individual here in the congregation. I'm asking you to, you're not staying here. You're walking out the door with each and every one of them and watching over them, revealing yourself. I'm asking this in Jesus' name, and I know you hear my prayer. I know you hear my request because Jesus said, ask and I shall, I shall supply. Heavenly Father, this is in your will. It is your delight that you are with each and every one of us, training us up, talking to us, revealing the things in our surroundings to touch other people's hearts. Heavenly Father, we have that power because Jesus showed us and sent out individuals to do as he did. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunities that come this week. Keep, them, keep us safe. Keep each person safe and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. So the puppets put me in a situation to make sure there's breakfast next week. Know that there will be breakfast next week. We're not, yes, dependent upon the weather, but I'm asking the Lord to give us another not delightful day like we had today. And uh, the breakfast is going to be scrumptious, so don't miss it. Okay, and I hope to see you next week. And know that the Lord doesn't stay here. This is I've asked him to go with each and every one of you. And I know you'll be blessed in your walk. God bless. Hope to see you next Sunday.